Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of A Pushing History. My name is Braden Ultimus. And my name is Shane Elliott, and I'm here today with Brady Hutton. We'll be walking you through step-by-step of this week's topic. Buckle up, sit tight, and prepare to hear all about this week's topic, the Cold War. We will be answering all your questions about what it was, where it was, who took part in it, when it was, how does it relate to today's world, fun facts, and more. All right, so Shane, tell me, what was the Cold War? Well, for starters, the Cold War was an ongoing political rivalry between the United States and the Soviet Union and their respective allies that developed after World War II. This hostility between the two superpowers was first given its name by George Orwell in an article. And when did this war begin? The war officially started on 1947, almost right after World War II, and it did not end all the way until 1991, almost half a century later. Now, what started this war between these two powerhouse nations? Well, Braden, there were several reasons for the United States to go into war against the USSR, which is also known as the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. For starters, the overall destruction from the previous war, World War II, crumbled many cities over in Europe. Therefore, this led other nations' leaders seeking ways to protect their cities from future attacks. Even though the United States and the Soviet Union battled together to defeat their Axis powers, we will see how their partnership turns into 50 years of turmoil and disagreement. The two powerful nations disagreed on how to rebuild what had been destroyed. So the conflict is referred to as the Cold War. Now, What happened with the Berlin airline? What even is that? The United States, Britain, and France refused to allow the Soviet Union to hold Berlin hostage. Instead, they arranged for a massive support mission to supply West Berlin. From June 1948 to May 1949, they sent hundreds of airplanes filled with food and fuel every day in what became known as the Berlin Airlift. They also instituted a counter blockade on East Berlin. After 11 months, the Soviets realized that the blockade was a failure and ended it. But the standoff over Berlin had crystallized the divisions of the Cold War. The Western Allies turned their combined occupation zones into the new country of West Germany, and the Soviet Union responded by creating East Germany. The Soviets also began the process of building a barrier between the eastern and western zones of Berlin that would stand for the next 40 years. So, how did the countries respond to this? Were there any treaties to resolve this? Yes, there was the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, also known as NATO, which started with 12 member nations, but today it has 28. The NATO promised that an attack on one of its members would provoke a response from all of its members. NATO became the major international body opposing communism in the 20th century. The United States also strengthened its commitment to defense at home. In 1947, Congress passed the National Security Act, which united the branches of the armed services under the new Department of Defense. Wait. Why is it called the Cold War? Well, it was called this because the two sides never actually attacked each other using combat as opposed to a hot war. So the United States believed that 
in a capitalist system of free markets and various political parties. On the other hand, the Soviet Union utilized a system called communism, which was ruled by a single political party. Therefore, the USA was afraid of the power of communism, and each nation had threatened nuclear power. It was given the name the Cold War by George Orwell in 1945. Now, before you dive into the actual war, what would you say defines it? That's a great question. I would say watch out for the competition over the allegiance of new independent nations, military and economic support of each other's enemies around the globe and the threat of nuclear war and power. Tell me, how did it officially start? The Cold War was solidified by 1947 when the U.S. enacted the Marshall Plan to provide aid to countries in Western Europe in order to develop an American influence to protect them from communism. So were there any important people? Were there? Of course there was. First, there was Joseph Stalin, who was a Gregorian, a Gregorian revolutionary and Soviet politician who ruled the Soviet Union from 1927 until 1953. He served as both the General Secretary of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union and Chairman of the Council of Ministers of the Soviet Union. His goals for the Soviet Union were to create it into an empire and expand communism beyond the Soviet Union. What about the USA? Yes, it all started with Harry Truman, who was the 33rd president of the United States. He led the U.S. through the end of World War II. At the beginning of the Cold War, he was majorly opposed to the spread of communism and the Soviet expansion. He also sent U.S. forces into South Korea to combat the communist invasion that was happening at the time. This all happened on June 27, 1950. So, was this war only about nukes and politics? Well, no. Besides the arms race, there was also the space race, where both nations competed to explore space first to prove their technological advancements. It eventually turned into a race for the moon once JFK claimed the U.S. would be the first to land a man on the moon. Tell me more, Brady. For reference, the United States showed its global military dominance when it dropped two atomic bombs on Japan to end World War II. This act prompted the USSR to seek nuclear technology to discourage American aggression. The United States has other advantages as well. Having entered World War II late in the conflict, it lost far fewer soldiers and civilians. The USSR lost 8 to 10 million soldiers, 25 million including civilians, Yet the United States lost only 300,000 in the war. While the Soviet Union faced a devastating invasion, most of the United States emerged unscathed from the war. Finally, the U.S. economy expanded during the war as it made profits selling weapons and supplies to the Allied forces. Okay, so how did this war affect the rest of Europe? After a long history of repeated enemy invasions, Soviet leader Joseph Stalin wanted to expand its territory and build a buffer between the Soviet Union and the rest of Europe. He also wanted control in Central and Eastern European countries that the Soviets had helped liberate. As a result, Stalin quickly established strong communist parties 
that took power in Central and Eastern Europe. They took orders from the USSR. Meanwhile, the United States provided over $12 billion in aid for rebuilding Western European nations who agreed to open their trade. This split Europe, breaking trade networks and fracturing communities between East and West. These economic divisions spread to separate military alliances in each zone. This further split Europe along an imaginary line called the Iron Curtain. Travel and cultural diffusion across the Iron Curtain had become increasingly difficult. It separated previously connected communities and created new ones living either under a communist or capitalist system. Where was Germany while well, this all took place? They mustn't be happy in the slightest, right? Also, was there any mention about a partition? Those are great questions, Braden. And yes, Germany was not in a good mood. In fact, Germany practically became a battleground. East and West Germany had separate governments and capital cities. Families were separated based solely on where the lines were drawn. The city of Berlin became a microcosm of the Cold War, with British, French, and Americans controlling West Berlin, while the Soviets controlled East Berlin. To prevent defections, which are people leaving one state for another, the communists built the Berlin Wall in 1961. It divided the city. They set up checkpoints to control border crossings. At some points, guards even had orders to kill unarmed East Germans seeking to cross illegally. The wall became the most important symbol of the Cold War. Well, that's bananas. How about other countries and their reactions to Stalin setting up rules in their nation? Yeah, so as mentioned previously, the Cold War started in Europe. From 1945 to 1953, the USSR expanded its influence by creating the Eastern Bloc across states like Poland, Czechoslovakia, and Hungary. Stalin set up puppet communist governments that he could control. He repressed anyone who resisted. The United States, likewise, began to meddle in the affairs of foreign countries where it feared communist regimes would take over. This became formally known as a policy of containment. After this, when the 1950s rolled around, we start to see competition and rise of power in the Middle East, Latin America, and Asia. By the 1960s, the Cold War had reached all the way to Africa. Many former colonies achieved independence from European empires. These new nations took side with the Americans or the Soviets to receive economic and military aid. Both superpowers supported dictatorships that came to power through violence and repressive societies, all to gain an edge in the global Cold War. Are the effects of the Cold War still present in North and South Korea today? I like this question. In fact, some of the most important Cold War conflicts took place in this area. Communists took power in China in 1949, and the Americans feared other countries would soon follow. In 1943, Korea had been divided into two zones, with the communist government in the north and an American-leaning government in the south. To contain the spread of communism to South Korea, the U.S. sent troops. The Chinese responded by sending their own troops to the border. The war killed nearly 5 million people but ended in a stalemate, leaving a divided Korea that remains today. 
So the answer is yes, there are still everlasting effects in North and South Korea. Since this occurred towards the end of the war, did this resolve most tension and conflict? Well, for the most part, after the Vietnam War, Cold War tensions briefly decreased. The Americans' defeat in Vietnam, the threat of the nuclear war, and the new Soviet leadership led to open conversations between the sides. But much like the Americans had in Vietnam, the USSR intervened in Afghanistan in the 1980s. It wanted to ensure the victory of a communist-leaning group and send troops to assist them. Just as North Vietnam received aid and military assistance from the USSR, the United States backed Soviet enemies in Afghanistan with money and weapons. Ultimately, the USSR was equally unsuccessful, and the US-backed forces emerged victorious. After much infighting, Islamic extremists called the, Taliban, called the Taliban claimed power in the region thanks to American aid. So when did this war finally come to a close? The Cold War finally ended in the 1990s. The USSR could no longer keep up with US military spending. Meanwhile, economic problems in the Eastern Bloc meant that goods were short in supply. To keep citizens from revolting, the new Soviet leader, Mikhail Gorbachev, proposed, proposed reforms to stimulate communist economies. He also relaxed restrictions on freedom of expression a policy called glasnost or openness. These reforms were too little too late. About time things are over. So what happened to the Berlin Wall? Does it remain standing today? In 1989, the most iconic symbol of the Iron Curtain, the Berlin Wall, which divided the German city was torn down by Germans on both sides seeking to unify the nation. Similar waves of anti-communism spread throughout the Eastern Bloc. The end of the Cold War was marked by the disintegration of the USSR into over a dozen independent nations. Lastly, how did this war between the two superpowers of the world influence the country and why is it important today? The two superpowers supported many of each other's enemies in combat. They created a bipolar system of global power <clears throat> that forced other nations to choose sides and ripped communities apart. The economic troubles caused by the Soviet war in Afghanistan left the USSR unable to maintain control of the Eastern Bloc. Once self-determination was possible, in the 1990s, many Eastern European countries chose a different path. They elected non-communist parties and joined the European area, Union. Outside of Europe, communists in places like Cuba and China have remained in power while other nations removed pro-US dictators. Whichever path nations have chosen since the collapse of the USSR, the Cold War has left a major imprint. Now this war is still significant today because of the influence it left on our country and how we dealt with conflict between powerful countries. Well guys, that is a wrap for today's episode of A Pushing History. My name is Brian Ultimus. And I'm Shane Elliott. And I'm Brady Hutton.
Thank you all for joining this week's episode, but make sure to stay tuned for next week's episode. We would also like to give a special thanks to our sources, which are Britannica.com, Khan Academy, and History.com. Thanks again.